Hello and welcome to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was uh, Nocturum and the Moon Drips from their fabulous album, The Afterlife, out now. One half of Nocturum is Marty Wilson Piper, who's uh, known as uh, a former long-time member of the church, All About Eve, as well as producing a lot of excellent solo albums. Uh, many tracks from that material we'll be talking about today. But first of all, welcome, Marty. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. Can you tell people about Nocturum, uh, the album The Afterlife, as well as our opening track, The, the Moon Drips? My best mate, Dare Mason, and I, it's a, pro- it's a project that he and I have done together. We grew up on, uh, on the Wirral together uh, near Liverpool, and um, our parents were friends so and worked together as well so we've known each other for many many years mm. and uh as teenagers we had a band together and then i went off to be you know musician and dare went off to be a producer and uh because of that in la- latter years i made some solo records and i decided that dare was the right guy to mm. to work on them with me and after i'd made about four or five solo records or i don't know however many it was it just became apparent that, that we should find a way to bring Dare more into the songwriting. So um, we decided to collaborate as, uh, as a project under the name of Nocturum, which uh, allowed us to write songs together mm. and work together rather than me coming up to Dare with a whole lot of solo songs and saying, hey, Dare, here's the next record. So that's, that's basically it. And now we're on album four. Mm. Yeah. And we'll be talking about some of that earlier material a bit later on. The Moon Drips, it's a very evocative track. Mm. Uh, when, when you write songs, things drop out of you, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, and you, you never quite know what it's going to be. Um, and that sort of dropped out of us, the chords and the mood of it. And then I went away with the mood of the backing track and wrote that sort of sort of uh, dark, evocative Creatures of the Night lyric for it, which seemed appropriate, you know? In terms of our next track, A Girl With No Love, um, that's got a rockier feel. So in terms of Nocturum, you, you have different sort of shades and, and styles? Yeah, well, I, I like eclectic, you know. I was always a big fan of the Beatles' White Album. Mm. I always heard this story that George Martin said that the White Album would have made a great single album. Well, I guess you could take the best 10 songs from the White Album, whatever they are, and say, here's an amazing record. But what uh, drew me to the White Album was the Julia mm. to Revolution Number no. 9. I mean, George Martin wouldn't have had Revolution Number no. 9 on the record, mm. but I love that Revolution Number no. 9 is on the White Album. And so I think I'm kind of influenced by variety, There's a lot of bands which are always trying to sort of play, write the perfect version of themselves. You know, take the Cocteau Twins. They always sound like the Cocteau Twins. And you know what? It was a great idea and they sound great and I wouldn't have them change anything. Uh, You know, I wouldn't wouldn't want the Cocteau Twins to suddenly come up and say, hey, we've got this great reggae track. (laughs) You know, that would be silly. (laughs) But it's only very special cases where the same trick works all the time. Mm. And I think in a lot of bands, the same trick becomes boring. 
that's the great thing about Jack White's new album. It's mm. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's really all over the place. Mm. That's what I like about it. I mean, people might think of him as, I don't know, I guess people do and don't like him for different reasons. But that new album is um, is kind of all over the place and in a good way, you know, and I like that. So I like the eclectic thing. And on this track, A Girl With No Love, which is a much more up-tempo song, of course, mm. That whole, what we now call the Thin Lizzy bit, <laughs> that came afterwards. We had the whole song as it was with the riff, uh, the, the chordal riff and everything. Mm. But then I sort of went, mm, maybe she put something else on there. And I went in and sort of came up with that part, that sort of lead guitar part, which, um, which worked really well. And, you know, even when you think a song's finished, maybe it even isn't.
the first of your solo tracks today, we have You Whisper, which is from, I think, your second yeah. solo album. In terms of your uh, solo career, was that just because you were building up an armory of solo tracks and you, you just had more creative freedom? Yeah, well, the band used to, you know, after a little while, the band used to, we just used to write all the songs together. Most of the bands I've been in, it's been like that. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, when I was in The Saints, I guess I only co-wrote one song with Bailey on that album, but he had all the material before I joined, you know, he asked me to mm. play with him uh, when he already had the material. Um, mm. But bands that I've been in where the songwriting process hasn't started yet for a record, it's pretty much, uh, for the last 30 years, mm. has, has been, you know, we get in the room, we write the songs together. Um, so, you know, writing songs by yourself that you you might do at home or on the road or wherever it is, just for your own sake, you, you sort of, you don't necessarily uh, present them to the band, you know? Mm-hmm. You whisper that's got a acoustic psychedelia in the lyrics, do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's um, picturesque, certainly. Yeah. It, uh, acoustic 12-string, um, very melodic picturesque lyrics thunder opens its throat lets out the roar of rain soaked i clench my overcoat and come up to see you again i mean you know i mean it's not it's not obscure it's not meaningless but it it certainly uh has some uh, pictures in there Pulse. 
Stabbing instead my thumping head His famousness is false You glow and glint I blink, you wink Ice-polished silk Around the same period, a song that you're you're well known for in in the church is Spark. Um, I've chosen a, a, a live solo version of of that song. What was the origins of uh, Spark? Well, you know what? I got this guitar. Uh, I mean, I don't know if people realise this. People who don't write songs, but often the instrument mm. that you're using at the time you're feeling creative and writing a song can often dictate to you the kind of song you're going to write. And I wrote that song on a guitar, which was a, uh, a sort of a semi-acoustic, six-string acoustic guitar, uh, which is called a Fender El Rio. And it's got this cutaway in it. So uh, it's kind of like a, a fat electric guitar, but it's actually really acoustic. And it had a, an electric Fender head where the machine heads are headstock and although it was an acoustic guitar it always made me play like in a rocky way so one day i picked that guitar up and uh came up with that song which is a a very obviously electric song but it was actually written on a sort of an acoustic acoustic guitar and that guitar is the reason i ended up writing it the way that it is you know with the chords and everything i always thought it was a bit like the jam Mm. (laughs) That live version, yeah, that makes sense now in terms of the acoustic sound of that really working in that live setting. Yeah, and I usually do some crazy middle build-up bit, you know, rhythm bit, which always kind of works really well, yeah. Saturated Wet with your tears, you spill so easily. In reflection, I see you again. Approach me, soak me. Faith, faith, breathe. Cause it's here, it's where the air is clear. But far off things can be quite near No repairs are needed Just Subject that I can let up. Uh, uh, splendid. 
to another of your uh, solo material and a track from the album Rhyme, uh, Melody of the Rain. I've read that that was a record recorded in a cellar, actually. Yeah, it was recorded in a cellar in Stockholm. I always thought it was really funny uh, that when people saw the presentation of the album with the cover art and the, the sound of it, it doesn't really sound like it's been recorded in a damp cellar somewhere in the back street of Sweden, mm. but it, but that's how it was recorded. And, you know, I mean, um, it, that was the period of not having a drummer. So there's some sort of interesting programming going on on that record, which kind of works in its way if you sort of listen to it in the context of the era that it was made. Mm. But as, as it happens, Melody of the Rain is one that doesn't have drums on it. Interestingly, that song, although it's quintessentially English mm. in its lyric, was that I actually wrote that in America. Yeah. They say sometimes that when you're away from your home country or environment, you then kind of it makes you think to home. So maybe maybe that's a yeah, it is. It's kind of a homesick 
for the English um, countryside or something, I think, that song, yeah. Dripping down the window pane, the sky has opened up again, treating me to welcome rain and glad it's here. Turns the trees to liquid green, encourages a glassy sheen upon the bark and on the leaves. It's loud and clear. Taking notes from secret cupboards, gloves, scarves, and large umbrellas, so simple and peculiar to enjoy. Simple melody that hopefully won't ever go away. Splashing footsteps down the lane, puddles fill them, then remain. Sparrows grab the bathtubs, came fluffed and clean. Grey electric, moody sky, clouds so low, but if I try to touch them, I can't reach that high. Still, it seems so. I run and spin and turn and turn. I dance. What have I done to earn this day? So simple and peculiar to enjoy. The simple melody the hopefully won't. Ever go away To sit me down right by the fire To read a book and be inspired My favourite room Mozart climbs into my head I fell asleep, should go to bed Music woke me from the dead I hear you home Come on You enjoy my open heart Cheat the night run out to the dark, so simple and peculiar to enjoy the simple melody that hopefully won't ever go away. Melody of the rain, melody of the rain. So all about Eve, you joined yeah. and had a, a big role in the in the nineties with that group. How did you get involved with uh, with them? Uh, I was on tour in America in the early nineties, and I was in Chicago. And the phone rang. It was my manager at the time, and he said, 
he said, hi, Marty, um, <laughs> Julian Regan from the band All About Even England needs to speak to you. And I went, oh, okay, give him my number, give him my hotel room, fine. So um, she, she rang me and said, hello, we've lost our guitar player, and we're wondering if you'd be interested in coming to England making a record with us. Mm. And um, I, was a, I wasn't massively aware of All About Eve. I, I, I was aware that she was a great singer, you know, mm. but I wasn't massively aware of their, of their catalogue. I, I think I knew a couple of songs which I'd heard. Anyway, she sent me some demo tapes, and um, we agreed to uh, a date, and I went to England, and um, I met... Andy and Mark, the bass player and drummer, and we all just got on like a house on fire, went into the rehearsal room and just started jamming and wrote the whole album together. And it just kind of carried on from there, really, you know. But, you know, in the end, Julianne got disillusioned with All About Eve and uh, decided she didn't want to do it anymore. And Wishing the Hours Away, that was... Uh, Dave Gilmore was on guitar on that one, wasn't he? Right, well, the get the Dave, you, <laughs> the truth about yeah. the Dave Gilmore story. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> here's the time to tell the truth okay. about the Dave Gilmore story. Um, Julianne asked Dave Gilmore to produce the album. Right. And he said no, and uh, as I remember it, she told me uh, that he said that he didn't really like producing records, and he'd be happy to come and play a solo for us. Mm. So we thought, great. Dave Gilmore on our album. Cool. Yes. You know, so um, anyway, we were at Rich Farm in Surrey. Dave Gilmore arrives and we're all shaking in, in our boots because it's Dave Gilmore and he's amazing and, and famous and such a brilliant guitar player. So we came. I actually at the time was reading um, a book about Sid Barrett, which was kind of interesting <laughs> because I, I was asking him all kinds of questions about Roy Harper and Unicorn yeah. and, and Kate oh, Bush yeah. and things that he'd been involved with and, yeah. and the Barrett years. And I did actually have one interesting thing I said to him. I said, what about Pink Floyd? Uh, and he said, what do you mean, what about Pink Floyd? I've, been, I've made an album, I've done live records. And I said, yeah, but don't you miss Roger? <laughs> oh, wow. And he said, what, Roger? I said, well, you know, what about Roger's bass playing? You know, you must miss that. What about money? You know, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> I said, what about that? You know, Roger must have been a great bass player to play with. And he looked at me and he went, Puh. I went, what? And he said, I played that. Aha. Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. There you go. Wow. <laughs> but so anyway, he went into the studio. We had a couple of tracks we wanted him on. Um, um, uh, Are You Lonely and Wishing the Hours Away. And he, uh, you know, he, he picked up the guitar and he just touched it and it sounded like Dave Gilmer. He went, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, it just sounded amazing. Mm -hmm. But, um, he played a little bit of the outro, I think it was, and the little parts of uh, Are You Lonely? But we wanted to play the solo in the middle of Wishing the Hours Away. So the solo came up. He was in there. He played uh, some passes at it. But, you know, the problem with Dave Gilmore was it was too famous to tell him, have another go. You know, it was, it was, mm. uh, it was brilliant and he was nice and everything, but it's kind of a mm. bit too famous. And then we listened back to the solo that he'd done. And uh, after he left, I went in the studio, played the solo again, and they used mine. <laughs> so there you have it. But he did do some incidental parts on those songs. So you can kind of hear that it's him if you know that the incidental parts were the actual solo in Wishing the Hours, You Ways Me.
Was it a case in relation to your solo material in this? Were you, yeah. were you just kind of fitting it around all about Eve, as well as the church, of course? Uh, you know, uh, I don't sort of... Well, it's, not, it's not kind of as, as sort of planned out as that. Mm. You know, you, you sort of... You, and you're a musician, songwriter, and singer, and producer, and guitarist. Uh, you know, you just kind of... You, you have a few things that you can do, and you and you see what material you've written and you see your friends and and people around you and who wants to work and and you know you just sort of end up going off and doing all kinds of different things and uh, if I'm not doing any of those bands I might start working on a solo record or yeah. you know if I am doing any other projects or uh, I maybe don't have time to do that 
I mean, at the moment, I'm in the studio with uh, a band called Atlantium, mm. and uh, Olivia and I are, uh, are working on that, and that's what we're doing at the moment because that's the project we're up to at the moment, you know. Mm. Mm. And as we go to uh, your solo record, um, Spirit Level, which I think was released back in 92. Yeah. I've chosen the track Can't Ever Risk an Openness with You. That feels like a bit more of a, a darker track. Yeah. We've started doing that live um, at Olivia's insistence, actually. And um, people really like that one. I always thought it was kind of a bit sort of uh, sparse. Mm. But for some reason, it sort of holds holds a mood, yeah. and yeah, it's got a kind of a bit of a a bit of a, a negative lyric mm. uh, in a way. Um, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. A drama, there's a drama and tension to yeah. that song, which I guess grips people when they hear it. Yeah, there is. There definitely is. I don't. I actually don't remember writing that song. If, if I think, if I think back to. When did I write that? How did I write that? I actually don't remember. I just that's just a song that I have. Mm, I don't remember why or how I wrote that, but it was probably just you know one of those. I guess I was living in Stockholm at the time, and I don't know if it was specifically about anybody or whether I was just inventing some kind of dramatic scenario. Mm. But it's always been a song that people have liked, and as I say, works really well live. In terms of songwriting, is it is it the the melody or the sound that comes first rather than the lyrics, or can it can it go either way? Mm, if I'm writing for solo records, I do tend to pick up my 12-string guitar and just strum along, and then strum along, then hum along, you know? Hmm. And then, um, then I might sort of jam some lyrics over the top of that, which, which might end up actually being a, a theme. Sometimes... You can, from your subconscious, you can just sort of, you know, some some words just spring out of you, which which are cool, and you think, oh god, that was a good idea. I know it was a jam and an improvisation, but that wasn't that was pretty good line. I should use that, and then you can actually, you know, the, the jam session ends up being the basis for the song, and then you sort of do a refined version of it later. Yeah, so yeah. But, you know, it, it's different. I mean, in bands, you tend to jam together with instrumental sections, and whoever's the singer or lyricist on that track will go away and try and come up with a melody or and lyrics. Um, with Dare and I, it's just the two of us sitting together in, in the studio, usually, picking up a guitar and a bass, sometimes with a loop, sometimes not. Sometimes he's on bass. Sometimes I'm on bass. Mm. Um, and, you know, just see how see see where it goes, what it needs. I can come up with a melody and a, a vocal idea like almost immediately. And other times you're going, mm, "What should we do in this one?" Or, you know, and you don't, and you're sort of a bit puzzled by it. So anything can happen. You know, it's all magic anyway. Who knows? Yeah. One minute there's nothing there, and then you pick up a guitar, and suddenly there's this idea. With a melody and a concept and a chord and a lyric and a, you know, so it's it's all magic anyway, and anything can happen, and you can make any decision you like about which way to take a, a piece of music that you create, and you know, as we know, because the world is full of a million different songwriters with different approaches, it can be all weird or it can be all kind of catchy and commercial, just depends on what your experience is and what you want to say, I suppose. Swallowing my blood 
can't White tear slipped out of my eyes onto a plate Glass shattered by the angers of our hate I can't I can't never risk an openness Ever risk an openness Ever risk an openness with you Fell out Wandered like a lost heart Bells lose inside of Jesus as he sinks. Can't why can't I can't ever risk an openness, ever risk an openness, ever risk an openness with you. Can't ever risk an openness, ever risk an openness, ever risk an openness with you. And if I did, if I did. And one of the reasons we're here today is, is also to talk about your fifth solo album, Hanging Out in Heaven, because that's getting, for the first time ever, a, a vinyl release for Record Store Day. Yeah, finally. Oh, my God. That was. I always thought that record was going to come, come out on vinyl, but I didn't think it was going to take 19 years. Hmm. And uh, so I'm really happy that that's finally happened. Yeah, I put out Spirit Level on Record Store Day last year on vinyl because that had just been a CD. But 
but that record was released sort of in a real CD sort of era, and we we mm. sort of never imagined. It was I was signed to Ryko Disc, and that was was a sort of a CD label, and vinyl was wasn't really around then, and there was just no talk yeah. of it. But by the time uh, Hanging Out in Heaven was made, uh, you know, the idea of vinyl was kind of in the air again, and. Um, yeah, but it never happened. And now with Record Store Day, and now with my label, School Kids, uh, we we sort of talk about these things and think it's good to get these, you know, limited edition versions out uh, for people who 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 really like that record. And and that was a kind of a quite well received record. So I think I think people will be very happy about that. It's got different cover art as well. It's got two extra tracks. Right. It's double vinyl. The lyrics are all on the the gatefold on the inner sleeve. And you can finally read them on the original CD sleeve. You couldn't read the lyrics at all. They were so small. And the cover art for the original CD was all a bit rushed. Uh, and I can't even remember why that was. But uh, it wasn't, It wasn't. although um, Anthony Collins, who kindly took the picture and let us use it for the sleeve, although he did that, it wasn't exactly what we were after. And uh, consequently, mm. on the vinyl reissue, it's got completely different artwork, which I'm sure people are going to be, re- uh, they're going to really like it because it's me when I was young and beautiful, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Our next song is is very fitting uh, for what you were talking about in terms of mm-hmm. vinyl release, uh, the mod deluxe, uh, looking at the, the, the sleeve notes and, and yep. re- reading the lyrics, you know, forget the radio, which kind of talks yeah. about that. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a few songs that um, I've written which I, I, I kind of feel like I have, I have a couple of ideas that need to be said uh, and um, I thought the lyric to Forget the Radio was, was one of those. You know, the, the whole experience of uh, the loving ritual of sitting down in your front room and lovingly putting a record on and you know if you do ever catch what's on the radio you're like oh god what's this rubbish you know oh god you know and you compare that experience with uh the the experience of being at home in your cozy little room with your lava lamps and your bean bag and your great stereo and a record that you love um, they're both musical experiences, but one is enlightening and beautiful and amazing and inspiring, and the other is just drives you crazy. And it's, I just thought it was kind of uh, interesting to to compare those two scenarios in a song. You know? Yeah, and and uh, for those that are about to listen to it shortly, check out the uh, you know the artists that you cite in there, which are, are also heroes of mine. All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
And now we have uh, another track from Hanging Out in Heaven, 1929 Vintage Wine. That's got, um, uh, you know, an interesting melody and rhythm to that mm-hmm. that really um, brings the song along. 
Yeah, now that's interesting that you ch- choose that one because uh, when I finished making the, I think it was the Starfish record, the mm. engineer from that record said to me, hey, you should come over. I was staying in Los Angeles for a bit longer and he just told me that, he said to me, you should come over to my house. We'll do some recording in, in my studio. And I went, great, I've got some songs. And um, he, uh, he and I started working together and, and building up the songs that I had. But, but his approach, it was quite different to what I'd usually done on solo records. He was just the way, he was a drummer as well, and he sort of had ah. a he had an idea about rhythms and things and sounds, and um, he came up with that. And he, I think he had a djembe in there somewhere as well. And so that that rhythm for that song kind of came from him. Uh, I mean, the song as a song was kind of an upbeat song. I mean, it 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 had that tempo and everything, but he sort of like programmed the drums to be like that and uh consequently uh, you know this is the great thing actually about working with other people and who, who have other ideas other perspectives they sort of throw something in that you would never do and that's a good thing mm. because it it, got, it it the two of you go off into a universe that you wouldn't create by yourself and that's that's interesting and of course it doesn't always work and cons- the consequences of of working with him made me actually make half a record with him mm. because some of the mixes he did in the end I wasn't that into and some of the ideas I wasn't so into although lots of them I were but some of them I weren't and I ended up recording the other half of that record with a, a different person different band members in Sweden so that record was put together from two quite different disparate one might say circumstances uh, but that's side the the L, the LA side with Shep Lonsdale is very typified in the rhythm to that song it's, it's interesting you talking about you working with a drummer on that, that mm. comes out yeah drummer perspective you know that's the that's the interesting thing
Next we go back to Nocturum, Heiser Kite from the album Sparks Lane, yeah. a few years after hang out, Hanging Out in Heaven. Yeah. understand part of the inspiration of the time for Nocturum was created when you were setting up a, a studio in Cornwall? Yeah, well, Dare, my partner uh, in, in, this, in the Nocturum project, had, had, had decided to move down to Cornwall. He'd lived in London for years. He was trying to get away from the rat race of London and, and he decided to move to Penzance in Cornwall. And he bought a house down here and then decided that he would set up a studio so that he could continue with his skills. He'd trained as a uh, engineer at the Virgin Townhouse Studios in London, very, very famous studios. He'd done sessions uh, assisting with Ravi Shankar, with Queen, with Prince, with Paul McCartney. You know, he'd, he'd done all kinds of, and all kinds of other things, he, you know, because it was a major studio. So he'd learned his trade there, but had enough of the rat race, decided to come down here and set up a studio. And um, so that's what he did. And, and of course, then, as he and I had decided that we would start working together, as I said earlier, to bring him into the songwriting, we came into the studio here and we made Sparks Lane. And Sparks Lane, by the way, was the name of the road that connected my house to his house ah. on the Wirral. That's why it's called Sparks Lane. <laughs> Which links into what you were talking about um, earlier on. Yeah. That song, Hires a Kite, that's got a real popular feel to it, kind of like a, a hit single kind of sound. Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm, I'm glad you noticed that because if it had been. You know who Edison Lighthouse are? Yeah, Love Grows. Love Grows. I actually bought that single yesterday <laughs> in a charity shop here in Penzance yeah. for like 20p. Yeah. And I love that song. Yeah. I think it's so great. But I always, I always make a joke of if Edison Lighthouse had released High as a Kite <laughs> as their second single, they would have not been a one-hit wonder. They would have been a two-hit wonder. <laughs> if only it was 25 years before that's right what happened with that song is we wrote it too late it was the kind of it was the kind of song that aren't hits anymore that kind of song isn't a hit anymore but it was a hit yeah. Yeah. in the in other eras it would have been a hit in other eras I'm sure of it doesn't mean that I have 
feeling that just wound up sitting in the car. Then I went home and stared up at the ceiling, thinking everything had gone too far. As I look out the window There's people with umbrellas in the street But through the dark the sun is almost shining The thunder clouds have started their retreat Something to
And again, we, we move forward a few years and another Noctarum track, Hopes and Fears from Off of the Light. Mm. And Stan, from your um, website, around this period you were setting up uh, the uh, In Deep Music Archive, mm-hmm. which I'm very jealous of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yeah, I guess that might have been around that period. Um, um, well, there's two, two things to answer there one about the archive and two about yeah two about hopes and fears but hopes and fears so on the song first hopes and fears we always uh olivia and i when we do shows we we always finish with that one that's kind of the last song of our set it's always seems like the perfect last song of our set i guess it's the last song on the album which album is it on it's on off of off of the light right which is yeah which is the mm. um second Nocturum album, yeah, it's on Off of the Light. So, um, but that lyric, again, you know, that lyric was written as a, a kind of, um, I really, I'm really proud of the lyrics to that song. Um, it's not a, a personal lyric. It's like, an, it's like a, I imagined the lyric. I imagined the characters and imagined the scenario. Um, sort of, you know, the dark satanic mills of, of, um, of Northern England. Uh, and I always think about how, uh, the contrasts between that, the workhouses and the difficulties at the end of the 19th century. And yet just outside Leeds and Sheffield and all those places, absolutely gorgeous countryside. That's mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, and I sort of wrote a song about the, the mm-hmm. hopes and fears of, uh, of a couple who were living in in that circumstance, um, it's kind of quite an evo- quite an evocative lyric, and uh, I, I really love playing that song live. Um, yeah, um, as far as when it was written and starting the archive up, they started the studio without me, and mm. he had a, a painter in the room next door, and he decided to vacate, and he asked me if I'd be interested in taking the room on. And uh, I had all my records in storage, and I came and looked at the room, and I thought, yeah. So um, I then moved all my records into this into this uh, big room next door to the studio, and that's now become the Indie Music Archive, which is a collection of like fifty thousand records of CDs and vinyl, and wow. I mean, it's, it's actually outgrown itself. It's now. Part of it is in storage, unfortunately, but uh, the main bulk of it is here. But, uh, yeah, it's still a, a beautiful thing. And, you know, the Indie Music Archive is one of my dream project, that somebody's going to give me a building, and uh, in that building I'm going to build a, a culture center and a cafe and a little stage, and I'm going to have the 60s room and the 70s room and the 80s room and the 90s room and the 21st century room, and um, there's going to be a room full of turntables over the eras and... Uh, you know, uh, people are going to be able to come there and have guitar lessons and and uh, songwriting sessions and and uh, you know. Anyway, that's fantasy land, I guess. I stare out of my window at a grey northern sky on a Saturday 
And the smoke in the distance that clings to the hills from the factories And people are gathering in droves in the street cause it's market day And I am in love with a girl who I met only yesterday Summer has gone, lights are on The nights have grown long Then the town's looking down As the rain hits the ground Then the newspaper sellers are telling us all what's been happening And women are hiding in shopkeepers' doorways and gossiping And you and I meet in the cafe across from the hospital And finding a cure for the love lord is proving impossible Life tumbles on like this song And the music plays on
And now we move to the uh, penultimate track, and uh, yeah. it's uh, Anecdoton, the track Until All the Ghosts Have Gone, the title track from the album. How did you get involved with uh, those guys? I think they're, they're Swedish. Yeah, they're Swedish. Well, what happened was, when I left the church, I decided I'll just have a go at doing the job. Mm. So um, I, I kind of was just trying to do something else, you know, and I scored a job in a record store in Stockholm. And I actually ended up working in two different record stores at the same time in Stockholm. Um, Mikkes and Pet Sounds. And um, while I was work- working at uh, Mikkes, one of the guys that worked there was Nicholas Barker, who's the main composer, singer, and uh, guitar player from Anecdoton. Now, he was aware of me as a musician, but he was more aware of me from my work with All About Eve. Oh. And he was a big fan of the ultraviolet record that I made with All About Eve, which is which is a great, unknown, forgotten record, which I can only highly encourage people to listen to, because that's a great, forgotten All About Eve record. It kind of fell through the cracks of, you know, the All About Eve fans weren't sure about it, and the hipsters weren't sure about it, and the... Uh, you know, it kind of like it, it sort of it sort of didn't manage to capture anybody. But in retrospect, it's one of the, one of the great greatest records that I've ever worked with. I think. Mm. Um, but anyway, he was uh, aware of of me, and he knew I played. And they were working on a record, finishing a record off, and um, we became friends. And he he knew I played the twelve electric twelve string as well. And he said, "Can when you come over, and we've got this track, we're not really sure about." Uh, maybe you could play some guitar on it. So I went to his studio and he played me this track and I I did some little intricate little thing on it and I played a solo on it and um, uh, he, he felt, the band felt like it it was exactly what it needed and that became the title track for that anecdote and album and uh, that was uh, that was me joining the band. Um, I also... You know, it was the last track that was being recorded, so I didn't play on the rest of the record, but I did on that. And then I learned the songs for touring. And uh, at this point, four years has gone by, and uh, we're now working on demos for a new album. That really got back, got you back yeah. into the swing of things. and Yeah, and so, you know, I was trying to have a break from being a musician, being in a band, but it took me about 15 minutes to <laughs> end up playing guitar in an extremely complicated and really cool Swedish progressive rock group. <laughs> I, t- I tried to do something else. I really did, officer. <laughs> <laughs>
fully back on the horse now with the current album by Noctorum, The Afterlife, and uh, that's our, yeah. 
closing track from from that album, uh, Piccadilly Circus in the Rain. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I did an interview with somebody the other day, and uh, I was happy that they uh, noticed the lyric in that song, and they were very that uh, they had the same opinion as I did about about that song, and they were saying, "Yeah, that's a lyric that nobody's really written, but for some reason, everybody knows it's true." London brings you to your knees. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just a nightmare moving to London, moving to the big smoke. You know, mm-hmm. you get down there, you can't afford the rent, you got to work all yeah. day, and there's no chance of being creative. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there's some there's some lines about the fumes and <laughs> all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before we go, um, you're doing a lot of shows at the minute. Yeah, well, I've been doing um, Olivia and I've been doing a British tour. Uh, we finished that in Liverpool um, a week before last, and uh, now we're down in the studio in um, Penzance working on an instrumental album with this group, Atlantium, um, and we're actually going to hope to do a show with them at some point next year. And um, that's, uh, but but we're also, I mean, I also have another project which I'm not sure if you're aware of called Moat, All right. which is another Swedish project. I've made one album with this uh, guy called Nico Rölke, <laughs> which is a, a German name, because he actually was born in Germany, but uh, then moved to Sweden when he was uh, like 12 or something, and uh, ended up joining a kind of a very popular Swedish band there called Weeping Willows, mm. and they're very, very successful. He and I were put together uh, by a friend of mine, because this friend of mine there thought that the two of us would work well together. So he put us together, and we made a record, and we wrote all these songs, and it was great. And uh, after we released that record, we did a show in Stockholm. He went off carrying on doing, his, doing what he's doing, and I went off and do what I do. And we got together now and again when we ran into each other, and we wrote some more songs. And eventually we had enough material for a second album. So next month we're going to be starting work on the second Moat album, which is called Poison Stream. Wow. And uh, that is going. That's me singing and writing all the words, and uh, he, he, or he and I, or me composing the music. And Dare is going to be the engineer on it, and I guess we're all going to produce it together. So I'm actually very excited about that record as well. Even though I've got the record store day hanging out in heaven coming out, even though the Afterlife by Nocturum was just released in February. That's a perfect way to end, and. Um, th- I feel we've only scratched the surface because there are so many yeah. different facets to the range of artistic projects you, you're doing. And um, I have noted that you do have a very, very extensive and informative website, martywilson-piper.com, where people can find out more. Yeah, but we didn't pay lots of money to do it. We just did it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Marty. It's been a pleasure. And, um, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I wish you all the best for the future. And of success right thanks so much jason it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, i'll uh, maybe maybe on the next 14 projects we can speak again <laughs> will do thanks a lot see you jason bye Never comes 
When it does, it's always too And in the park nearby A mother scolds her son The child cries, but love is true Autumn tints the leaves Your collar hides your neck in the sky There's no creative work amongst the swarming bees As you struggle to survive Piccadilly Circus in the rain Healing common for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's been almost 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. 
Thank you.